good to be with you tonight. Uh, like Mark said, my name's Eugene, and can we give it up for Mark, too? I mean, this guy, I, I don't know if you've been here for a while, but we've been going through a leadership transition, and Mark has just stepped up, raised his game, and taken care of this place. He's poured so much of himself into Sanctuary. This place is what it is right now because of all the, the love and the energy and the work that he's putting into it. So, Mark, we're so, so grateful for you. Thank you for everything that you're doing. We're, we're you know, we're happy to be here tonight. Speaking of which, Mark called me uh, this week, and uh, he was kind of panicking. He was like, hey, Eugene, I've talked to everybody on staff, and, you know, I've been calling people at other churches, and none of the interns are available. Would you be available to speak? <laughs> and at first, I was excited, and then I thought about it. I was like, whoa, I kind of feels bottom of the barrel. I mean, you asked everybody, right? He said he called his grandma and she couldn't make it. And I was like, all right, I guess if you're like desperate, uh, what do you want me to talk about? Oh, you can talk about whatever you want. He goes, usually our speakers go for half an hour, but you can talk for like five minutes. So I was like, okay, first of all, I'm at the bottom of the barrel and he doesn't want me to talk that much. So Mark, I'm going to go for like an hour, okay, just for you, all right? I don't know if I should feel, feel lucky to be here tonight or unlucky to be here tonight. You ever feel that way? You're not sure if what you're doing or where you're at or who you're with, if you're happy to be there or if you're not, if you're lucky, if you're blessed or you're cursed. There's a guy by the name of Frayne Selleck. Frayne Selleck. You can write that name down. You can Google him after the service. He is considered to be the luckiest unlucky man alive. And the reason why is because he has cheated death seven times. Seven times he should have died, and each time he walked away alive. One time, this guy was on a train, and the train got knocked off its tracks and went into a lake, right? Everybody in the train died, and he survived. He swam to shore, and he survived his train crash. A year later, he was on an airplane, and as the airplane was in mid-flight, its engines stopped working, and it started to descend to the earth. And then the door that he was sitting by freakishly like popped open. He was flung out of the plane without a parachute. The plane went down. All 18 people died. He landed on a haystack and survived. No, I kid you not. He got hit by a bus and survived. He was in multiple car accidents and he survived. One time he was driving on a mountain pass and got hit by another car and his car was spinning off and in this particular occasion, he wasn't wearing his seatbelt, all right? So you're like, okay, unlucky, right? He wasn't wearing his seatbelt. He hits the guardrail on this cliff, and the car plummets 300 feet and explodes. But because he wasn't wearing his seatbelt, he gets knocked out of the car, <laughs> and he falls on, and he grabs onto a tree, and he survives. I mean, this only happens in the movie. He's like hanging from a tree on this cliff while the car literally falls to the ground and explodes. Talk about the luckiest unlucky man alive. Later on, he goes on to win the lottery, and he wins a million dollars, right? So is this guy lucky or unlucky? I mean, he survived all these crazy accidents, but they all happened to him. <laughs> they all happened to him. Was he lucky or unlucky? You know, as we think about Christmas, as we think about Advent, as we kind of turn our thoughts on the birth and the arrival of Jesus. For me, this is the time of year when I try to go back and imagine what it was like to be here on earth 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born. And the person I think about most is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, I don't know if you ever spent time thinking about who this person was, but when she became pregnant with Jesus, she was probably younger than every woman in this room. She was probably a teenager right? This was an unwanted pregnancy. 
right? It wasn't like she was ready to become a mom. She wasn't even married. She was engaged. And now she's pregnant. So is she lucky or is she unlucky? I mean, is she lucky to be the woman that gave birth to the Savior of the world, right, to hold that title or that honor? Or is she unlucky in the fact that she was going to live her life a certain way and then all of a sudden it got interrupted? All of a sudden, God shows up in her life and says, you're going to be the mother of the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Was she lucky or was she unlucky? Was she blessed or cursed? Was she favored or was she disregarded? Think about that for a minute because this is what we know about Mary. We don't know a lot about her, but we know this. She didn't have any money. She was poor, right? She didn't come from a wealthy family. She didn't come from a reputable background. She didn't have resources. Later, it tells us that when she actually gave birth to Jesus, we all know the story, right? Where was Jesus born? In a manger, right? Not in a hospital, right? Not in a hotel, not in a fancy home. He was born in a manger, and it was literally wrapped in cloth and put in a trough, a trough. It's that place where, you know, livestock will come and they'll feed. That's how they're fed. That's where Jesus' initial crib was. I remember when my wife and I, we had our first kid, we didn't have any money either, right? We were living in Boston at the time, and we were looking for an apartment with this little baby that was about to be born, and all we could afford was a one-bedroom apartment. You guys know what that's like, right, here in the Bay Area, right? You're, like, looking for a place to live, and you can't afford anything. And the best option for us was this one-bedroom apartment that had a big closet, right? (laughs) Because we were hoping to have a two-bedroom house so that we could have a, a nursery or, like, a place where our kid could live, but... We couldn't afford that. So we were looking for a one-bedroom apartment with a big closet so we could put our baby in the (laughs) closet, right? I mean, this is Mary. She can't even afford a one-bedroom apartment, right? She's got to literally put her child where the animals live, where the animals eat. So she's poor. Later on, it tells us that when they take Jesus to the temple to be dedicated, you're supposed to take your firstborn child to the temple to get dedicated. It tells you It tells us in in the Gospel of Luke that instead of offering the customary lamb, that was what everybody was supposed to bring to dedicate their child, they were making an exception for Joseph and Mary because they didn't have money. So there was an exception in the law back in Leviticus that said if you can't afford to bring a lamb, you can bring two pigeons or two doves as a substitute. So that's what Mary and Joseph bring because they don't have money. They're poor. They lack resources. So is she blessed or is she cursed? Is she lucky or unlucky? Well, she doesn't have any money, right? Remember, she is now pregnant, and she's out of wedlock. This is a crisis pregnancy, right? This is not an answer to prayer. This is an unprayed answer, right? She doesn't want to give birth to a baby, but one day an angel comes to her and says, you will be with child, and this child will be Emmanuel. Think about that for a minute. You're trying to live your life a certain way. You've got goals, right? You've got dreams. You've got aspirations. There's something that you're trying to do. You've got a plan for life. And then all of a sudden, God shows up and says, I'm going to change it forever. I'm going to change your life forever. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen to you. And so her life is changed forever. I mean, how would you like it if an angel came to you tonight and said, I know this is what you want to do with your life, but scrap that. This is what's going to happen now. This is God's plan for you, whether you like it or not, right? Is she lucky or is she unlucky, right? And then lastly, there's this prophecy that a man named Simeon gives to her about this child 
that she's going to give birth to. And it's not a favorable prophecy, right? Generally, like when, you know, you're, you're going to have a kid, you know, you want people to say, oh, you know, your kid, I mean, you know, he's so handsome or she's so cute or look how smart he is. He's going to be the captain of the basketball team or she's going to be the valedictorian, you know, oh, you know, look at those eyes, look at that hair. You want people to say kind things about your child. But do you know what Simeon says about Mary's child? I got to read it because it's uh, in, in Luke chapter 2, in verse 34, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. Simeon is basically saying they're going to they're gonna hate your kid. They're going to reject your son. He's not going to be loved. And then he said, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And then Simeon says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. In other words, what Simeon was saying, he was alluding to the premature death of Mary's son. He was telling Mary, you are going to watch your son die. Wow. Like the worst thing a parent could ever experience is to bury their own child, for their child to predecease them. And this is the prophecy that Mary's giving, that her soul will be pierced with a sword, right? I mean, how many of you right now would want to be Mary, given the facts? She's under-resourced. It's an unwanted teenage crisis pregnancy. And the prophecy says people are going to reject your child. He's not going to be the class president. He's not going to be most likely to succeed. He's going to be a stumbling block for many People, like, wow, imagine being Mary and having to carry the burden and the weight of that news. But the scriptures describe Mary in a very unique way. And I want to read how it explains the way that she's perceived. It says in chapter 1, verse 26, God sends an angel named Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And in verse 28, the angel went to her and said, now this is the angel, Gabriel, sent by God, and he says to Mary, greetings, you who are highly favored. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And then Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting might this be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Favor, favor. Now, all this is about to happen to her, right? She's going to raise a child that's unwanted. She's poor. It's going to be a struggle. We don't even know where Joseph goes later on in Jesus' life. The last time we hear of him when Jesus was around 12 years old, so we don't really know what happened to Joseph. So she raises this, this boy all by herself. And then she eventually, as we know the story goes, she is at the cross when he's crucified. And yet the angel says, you have found favor with God. And Mary's response in verse 38 is, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left. And then it goes on to say in verse 39, Mary got ready and hurried to town in a hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, who was her cousin. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, when Elizabeth heard Mary at the door, the baby inside Elizabeth's womb leaped. 
and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. What's going on here? Verse 42, in a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, Blessed are you, Mary, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Verse 43, but why am I, Elizabeth is saying, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now, Elizabeth is like, what are you doing here? Oh, my God, you are favored in the eyes of, what, what, what have I done to be able to receive this gift, to be in your presence? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, said Elizabeth, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And then Elizabeth says in verse 45, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Blessed is she, blessed is Mary, who believes that what God is doing in her life is the fulfillment of a promise. What does all this mean? What are we talking about here? Well, you could put yourself in Mary's shoes and you could say, life sucks, right? Like I was minding my own business, I was going my own way, and now God shows up and he says, I'm going to have this totally different life than I ever dreamed or expected. It was hard enough as it was, but now this is going to be my lot. And you could say, life is terrible, or, 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 as we read in the scriptures, Mary says, God, let it be as you will. I am your servant. In other words, what, what I'm getting at around the character of Mary is this. She could have either thought of herself as the most unlucky person alive. She could have said, this isn't what I signed up for. This wasn't the life that I wanted to live. I had other plans. She could have been disappointed and said, this is not what I want. Instead, what she re realizes is God has another plan for her life. And her posture is that of faithfulness, trust, and obedience. Faithfulness, trust, and obedience. Think about it for a minute. How many of you, sometimes, you're looking at your own life and you're wondering, man, it sucks to be me. Wow, I wish I could have it different. Look at him or look at her, and social media only makes it worse, right? Everybody shows the, the, the great things that are going on in their lives when you know in your life it's not that great. And you can respond so many different ways. But here's what I want us to think about this year for Christmas. As we think about Christmas and this incredible gift named Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the person who has reconciled every one of us here to our Heavenly Father. As we receive this gift, let's think about the posture of Mary. What was she like? How did she respond to her circumstances? She had a choice. She had a decision. And her posture was to say, Lord God, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. And that was her response. And so here's the thought I want us to have tonight as we, as we spend this time reflecting on Advent, as we, as we prepare for Christmas, as we think about the coming of Jesus into this world. What does it look like to say yes to God in your circumstances right now? What does it look like to say, God, I will be faithful with what I have, with what you've given me right now? 
rather than holding out and hoping or expecting something different, looking at where your life is today and saying, God, yes, I will trust you. I will obey you. I will give you my life, even if it's not perfect, whether I like it or not. And that will change the way you view and experience everything in your life. It's all about a matter of perspective, but giving that to God. And that's what I want to encourage you with this year because this is a really stressful time of the year as we think about it, right? We celebrate, we go to parties, we give gifts, we have time to ourselves. And there are times and seasons in my own life when this has been a really special time of the year, but there have also been times when this time of the year could be really stressful, really depressing, really anxiety-filled. And I don't know where you are. I don't know all of you in this room, and I don't know what you're experiencing right now. I don't even know what you're thinking about. But God knows where you are. He sees your life. And he can be trusted. Mary trusted him. And she lived a hard life. But she was favored and she was blessed by God. And my prayer for this community, for Sanctuary, is that we would be a community that receives God's blessing, not only for ourselves, but for the world. We're not here for ourselves, people. We're here to bless and to serve the world around us. God has given us so much. And what I see in this room is a community of people that God is ready to use to be a blessing in the Bay Area and beyond. And that's what gets me excited every time I come here. That's what gets me excited every time I talk to Mark or Jeremy and I hear about what's happening here at Sanctuary. I hear rumblings of revival. I hear great hope. I see deep passion in this room. And I know it's not perfect. I know not everything goes according to plan. But with God, anything's possible. With God, anything's possible.